0: Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Welcome into War Chant TV's presentation of Sunday Smash, alongside the managing editor. Uh, of WarChant.com and Warchant TV, He is Ira Schofel. My name is Tom Lang, fresh off of a uh, vacation. Sorry, folks, if you hear a bit of a New York twinge to the way I speak, I've been around a lot of family members who sound like they root for the Mets or just came out of Goodfellas or something like that. Uh, Ira, how's it going? It's been a long time. I haven't seen you in uh, about a week week or two.
0: Yeah, man. I hope you enjoyed your uh, vacation. Before that, I was on vacation for about six days. We went up to D.C., so Warchant's been logging our miles into the uh, Northeast, and Corey went out to the Midwest, and uh, I think we're about ready to reconvene. I think we're having a staff meeting tomorrow, so Mm -hmm. we're, uh, we're bringing it all back together, getting ready for football season.
2: WarChan has been scouting different conference footprints to see uh, which one would fit best for Florida State. No, that's not what we were doing. We were just getting in the uh, the preseason vacation before it's uh, it's on lockdown. It's go time now, Iron. Before we get going with uh, some of the topics for tonight, remember, everybody, hit the like button underneath this video. Subscribe to Warchant's TV if you have not done so on YouTube. It's absolutely free. If you're watching on one of our other platforms, head over to YouTube. There's a, a chat going on right now that you can take a part in. Uh, you can always do that when we go live here on Warchant's TV. So, Ira, uh, I was keeping tabs, uh, even though I was off. I was keeping tabs on the boards uh, just to see what interested people uh, since I was gone. And uh, it seems like conference realignment is is a topic that might be just a little bit interesting to folks and, and the future of Florida State athletics. And Caleb coming in immediately. Thank you, Caleb. If you've got a question, feel free to uh, throw it in the chat. We'll pull it up in a little bit here. Uh, but thank you for your contribution to the program. Uh, I mean, take me through the last week uh, in your life as, as you've been mining for information and uh, just trying to see what sticks with Florida State and either the SEC or the Big Ten at some time down the road and how viable that actually is.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of funny to watch. Not funny, but it was interesting to watch the, um, all the different scenarios that were thrown out by different national media types throughout the process. You know, when the news broke that USC and UCLA or jump into the uh, to the Big Ten. Everybody said, "Okay, well, clearly this is the the realignment we've been waiting for, and uh, all the dominoes are going to fall." And uh, and you know some of the national reporters were reporting things like, "Oh, well, maybe FSU or Clemson and North Carolina they can pony up a lot of money and get out quickly and and make all this happen." And then kind of as the week went on and we talk, started talking to people um, locally, you realize, "Okay, well, that's not going to be quite as easy as you thought." First of all. There's not only the buy exit fee, which I think the exit fee, which I had heard was $100 million. I think Andrea Adelson actually reported the other day it's $120 million. I'm going to assume she's correct because she works for one of the parties involved in this, with ESPN. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, so the exit fee is $120 million. And that doesn't include the grant of rights, which means you've, you've given up your rights to all your media uh, value. For the rest of the contract, which is 14 more years. So it's obviously much more complicated, I think, than the initial reports that got everybody all hot and heavy. Having said that, I think that means that the ACC is probably safer now. Um, but I also think that ultimately we, we all know where this is going. Even even again, from a media perspective, even if you read the coverage from longtime ACC reporters in, in Virginia, like David Teal or uh, Andrew Carter in North Carolina, or different uh, outlets around the that the Atlantic Coast Conference, people that are connected, um, they're hearing the same things that we're hearing, that this conference is not going to last through the duration of that grant of rights. It may not last, certainly probably not going to last eight, 10 years. It pro- might not last five or six years. Uh, and there's a chance it breaks up even before that. So the question is, unless something major crazy happens, you know, we we do know that um, you know, ESPN is going to certainly want to keep Notre Dame is one of their properties. So there's an incentive to keep Notre Dame and the ACC if possible, because then that prevents them from going to the Big Ten, which is obviously a Fox property. So there's just a lot of moving parts to this. But the bottom line is, this isn't a situation where FSU could just write a check tomorrow, even if they had the money to just get out of it today. It Well, maybe if they had Jeff Bezos money. <laughs> but, but it's not a matter of just like wanting to get out and have the money other steps have to fall into place, and I think the big one that everybody knows is Notre Dame. Everybody has to see what happens to Notre Dame because that's going to determine how willing ESPN is going to be to move some of these schools in the ACC maybe over to the SEC.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the, the point about the exit fee—it's not an end-all, be-all fee, a one-time price. Because if it was a hundred or one hundred and twenty million, if you you know you're talking about the projections of what an uh, SEC renewal would be or a Big Ten renewal, if that's where you think Florida State would land. That's not a whole lot of money, and you could finance that pretty easily as Javi uh, jumps in as well. Javi will answer that in just a second. But it's important to note, Ira, that that's just the beginning, that that's not you know whatever you would negotiate for a settlement with your total grant of rights. So the price tag has to be in the hundreds of millions of dollars, not simply 100 or 120 million dollars if FSU was trying to get out of it sooner than later. Um, before, again, we answer Javi's question, and again, thank you, I wanted to ask you, Ira just as it pertains to the conference won't last, but that's a big statement you made there, Uh, you know, beyond 10 years, maybe not even sooner than that. Do you mean for Florida State and some of the big players in the conference or just the ACC literally does not exist anymore? Would it be more of an FSU-based thing or not?
0: I mean, I don't think that in in terms of the the idea of what a Power 5 conference was, I think that's going to be gone. I mean, I think that you're going to be looking at some of those schools may stick together, or may join other schools in that second tier, um, but but when they eventually go to two super conferences, which I think is what's going to happen, um, you know the ACC is you know I, it's 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 very difficult to see a way where AC with the landscape as it is, with the properties that are still out there, even if they could get Notre Dame, I still don't know that it's enough to to help the ACC live last uh, you know last in, in terms of it's like a third power conference. Um, I think it's much more likely that the conference ends up breaking up and you see the schools that are desirable get poached by the Big Ten and the big SEC. Um, but again, the machination of that is what none of us know the answer to. And I, the people at the universities don't really know the answer to it. A lot of it's going to depend on what, uh, for as I said, what Notre Dame does. What what the, if, the, if they go to the Big Ten, for example, who does the Big Ten take with them? If they bring in whether it's Oregon or Washington or one of those schools now the SEC probably feels like they have to respond and that's at the point where i think the most likely scenario is i think the Notre Dame is much more likely to join the Big 10 at some point and then ESPN and the ACC will say okay we need to get these schools into the SEC that's when you see that movement happen so that's what i expect to happen but you know Notre Dame is in no rush and i you know for everybody that's a ever been uh, interviewed for a job or had an offer for a job or been in negotiations to sell your house or anything else, Notre Dame is illustrating to you the power of saying no, because (laughs) they are just sitting there and saying no, 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 no. At some point, you assume they're going to say yes.
2: Yeah, it's like interviewing for a job when you have a pretty good one already. You can right. go into that room and feel pretty comfortable. It's You don't, you don't reek of desperation when you enter the room, and, and Notre Dame certainly is that. So Javi's question kind of leads into that. Uh, let's wipe that up. How much of a role does ESPN have in, in driving conference realignment? Uh, well, I can answer that in one word, a huge role. Well, that's not one word, huge. Uh, and do we have a sense that they want two or four major conferences? Well, Ira, do they have a choice? Because Fox is also a big player in this, and I would think that outside streaming parties might want to get in on the action as well. So, I mean, do, does ESPN actually have a choice? And what, what do you get the sense uh, of how much are they driving the bus here? Or is it uh, the TV networks in general uh, together working at uh, working at this?
0: I mean, the TV networks are always going to say they're not driving it. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, they are because they're the ones who say what a deal would be worth. So the way it works is, the way the process works is, the, the conference will say to the network, hey, if we add these schools, what does that change our value? What, what does that change our deal to? How much does every school in a conference get if we add those two schools? Does it bring our value down or does it push it up per school? And so ESPN is the one that decides, okay, this is valuable. This is, We believe this has value, much more value. So, so we would sign off on that deal. That's how you bring in Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC and obviously um, USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. I think Right now, I think ESPN is probably fine with four conferences because I think the big thing is, and again, not to just hope harp on Notre Dame and, and give them this much power, but legitimately they do have – they kind of hold the cards right now. ESPN doesn't want – I don't believe ESPN wants Notre Dame to leave a conference they're affiliated with right now. It's just common sense. Notre Dame right now is affiliated with the ACC. There's five games a year they play against ACC schools. ESPN is the ACC's conference uh, television partner. If they leave and go to the Big Ten, ESPN has no more partnership with them. They go to Fox, and so that, that's and Notre Dame's next TV deal is up uh, in a couple of years, so that that'll be um, part of this whole equation. But so I think it's in ESPN's prerogative to to try to keep Notre Dame with the ACC, not let them go to the Big Ten. Another interesting thing, and I think from the playoff standpoint, is <clears throat> excuse me, because ESPN doesn't want uh, Notre Dame to go to the Big Ten. Notre, ESPN is perfectly happy, and the ACC is perfectly happy, with Notre Dame still being included in the playoff picture the way it is now without having to be affiliated with the conference. Because the feeling is if they force them – if they change the playoff structure when they go to 12 teams or whatever it is, and they say, Notre Dame, you have to be in a conference. The way it's going to be set up, it's going to be conference champions – and, and you have to be in a conference to get there. Then Notre Dame is going to say, okay, well, we have to join a conference and that's probably going to be the big 10. So I think ESPN and the ACC and some other people don't want to force that issue. So it's just, they're in this limbo right now. Again, I, I don't think it's sustainable. I think pretty soon, whether that's, you know, next year, next month, two years from now, three years, now, I do think it's going to fracture and, and we're going to move forward with the next step to two super conferences. But I just think it's, it, it, it can't happen until those steps uh, are taking place.
2: Let's do some housekeeping real quick. Tonight's program is brought to you by ABC fine wine and spirits. If you live in the state of Florida, you know exactly where your nearest ABC fine wine and spirits is. Make sure to get a bottle of champagne or two for when Florida state announces the next conference they're going to that way you, uh, you're prepared by signing up and becoming an ABC access rewards member. If you like bourbon, that's what you want to do. They have something called the vault at ABC where you can, uh, buy some expensive and rare bourbon. So if that's your thing, make sure to stop by ABC and ask at the register how to get signed up. James B, once again, James B coming through. Thank you so much, James B. We enjoyed putting the top 40 list together this year. It was a huge amount of work that Gene had to do to get all the rankings averaged out and put them in a spreadsheet and all that stuff. Uh, But we had fun on Warchant TV putting together our our top 40 videos, Warchant.com. You can read more about those. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, our channel's awesome, and we haven't done our one through five yet. That'll be taped early this week. Uh, But we're counting down the top 40 football players for FSU. So thank you, James. Uh, We appreciate your appreciation in a huge way, more than you know.
0: And I I didn't say thanks to Javi before. I've actually met Javi before down in South Florida. Nice, Great guy, great Noel. Uh, the, The Seminole Club down there has always been one of the best Seminole Clubs uh, in the country. So uh, anyway, just a great to hear from him too.
2: Thank you to Javi. And also to all of you that are in the chat, we'll get to some of your questions. Uh, just to let you guys know, if you have recruiting questions, 7.45 p.m. tonight, a half an hour from now, Michael Langston will join the program Sunday Smash. Florida State has a uh, a big commitment ceremony. Hopefully it goes their way tomorrow for a blue chip offensive lineman. We'll ask Michael about that. And uh, some of maybe the many meltdowns that are going on today uh, as it relates to FSU recruiting. But Ira, let's return to realignment for a little bit here because we're slated to go to Charlotte in 10 days for the ACC kickoff. Now that's going to be interesting. What do you expect the commissioner to say in his forum? Uh, what do you expect the scuttlebutt to be about ACC and prolonging its life uh, as we get there in 10 days? It's going to be a weird time to be in that hotel.
0: It uh, It's going to be fascinating. I mean, last year, we were there, we were there. It was the first day we were there when the Oklahoma-Texas yep. yes. uh, to the SEC news dropped, and that was a bombshell that obviously it, it kind of took everybody a, a back in the ACC. Um, but I don't know if it was as big as this one is in terms of, because this feels like, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, everybody's talked about it over the last week, this feels like, okay, that was like almost not even a one-off, but it was like, okay, that was like an early salvo. And then now it's like, okay, this thing is on now. Like and it could go, it could pop in, as I said, it might not pop for a year, might not pop for two years, or it might pop in two weeks. I mean, this is very volatile right now. So you go to these ACC meetings and it's going to be uh, interesting to watch, man. And And I think that, you know, again, what I touched on earlier, reading some of the, you know, the way articles have been written, if you read around the conference again, these are, you know, look, Florida state media is always going to be on the side of get the heck out of this conference. Like nobody nobody in the FSU fan base, want, not that I've met, I don't know if you've <laughs> met anybody, I doubt anybody in the chat thinks that Florida State should stay in the ACC. And that was before the numbers got so out of whack. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. So, uh, you know, our coverage is always going to be steered that way. A lot of times you when you read the coverage from the North Carolina papers or Virginia papers, it's steered a little bit more ACC centric to what's next for the ACC. And again, the tenor of those articles has kind of been, okay, they're going to try to do what they can do to stick together, and they still have this grant of rights that's kind of binding everybody. But man, it's hard to see a way that the ACC is still a major player in college sports down the road. And I think that, to me, the fact that that's the way those things are being written in the area where they should be probably spun a different way tells you that, man, it might be a kind of a a dark tenor, um, I think, around those meetings, just kind of knowing that You know, this this, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you you go to somebody, you go visit somebody and everybody knows they're they're not in good health and everybody's trying to put on a brave face. But, you know, that, you know, Aunt Susie may may not be here next Christmas and everybody's just trying to kind of to kind of, you know, put on a brave face. Well, I think that's going to be the vibe. I think everybody's going to be walking around thinking, okay, well, how many more of these ACC kickoffs are we all going to be here for?
2: a dark tenor on Sunday smash here. <laughs> uh, you know,
0: love aunt Susie Aunt Susie lived a great life. <laughs> we're not, you know, we're, we're just happy. She won't be suffering anymore. We
2: should get, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Matthew. That's what we're all feeling. Uh, but I think there's more nodding in this case. Uh, maybe aunt Susie was actually always nasty and, and she was disrespectful. To mom. <laughs> and so you're like, you know, will aunt Susie, wrap it up here pretty soon. Um,
0: aunt, aunt Susie was never giving me as much money as she was giving cousin Charlie <laughs> in the yeah. SEC. So
2: what would the AC like for me? I think the logical place the ACC would go to try to survive this is they would they would cease paying out equal revenue to members. Right. Like that's the only way to keep uh, or, or hope it's a Hail Mary to keep Florida State and Clemson and others from jumping ship the first chance the lawyers say that they can jump ship. It would be to All right. This equal revenue payout thing's not going to work let's determine it by whatever it is, either merit on the field or ratings on television, but that would be probably something that they could float out. Uh, maybe even leak out to test it uh, in the next week or two. Wouldn't you think? Because they have to have something positive to hang their hat on before we arrive up there. Otherwise it's just going to be a very defensive type thing for all ACC officials.
0: First of all, I do appreciate all the RIPs we're getting in the chat for San Susie because <laughs> uh, she was, a she was a good one and uh, we're going to pour one out for her after, after the show. But um, you know, the, uh, yeah, that's, that's, they've already floated that out and, you know, yeah. and I think that's the pitch to Notre Dame. And, and if, if you're going to do it for Notre Dame, you have to do it to some degree, I'm sure for Clemson and, and then probably Florida state, but then it's like, okay, well, where do you go from there? North Carolina, one of the things that I think has become apparent for, from anybody that's paying attention to this, North Carolina is very desirable to both the SEC and the big 10, the Notre or the big 10, because of the academics Um, in basketball, but then also, um, you know, the name brand and getting them in the state of North Carolina. North Carolina obviously would be attracted to the SEC as well. So, so where do you stop with that? And then how do you evaluate that? You know, like that's always the trick with that idea. Like Florida State hasn't been good in football in five years. So is is Florida State going to get a smaller share than Notre Dame and Clemson? Notre Dame hasn't done a thing in this conference. Florida State built this conference. Florida State took this conference from yep. a basketball league to a power five, one of the preeminent leagues in, in college sports, Florida State put them on their back for 20 years and did that. So are you going to get not give Florida State the biggest share? You're going to give it to Notre Dame and Clemson? And then where do you stop in that? So I I, I think the smaller schools, the Wake Forests, and some of those schools will probably eat it and grin and, and, and be okay with it. I just don't know how you make that work. Um, yep. And again, it, and if it does happen, And I think it's possible. I think that is possible, a way to keep it together. If it does happen, I I still think it's a short-term remedy. I I still think it gets you. Maybe it makes things more palatable for Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, some of these schools in the short term, but knowing that, man, it's not going to be a long-term solution.
2: So here's a text I got from uh, our own Jeff Cameron when uh, I was gone. But he said, last year there were 72 games as a stat he found. Uh, that hit 3.5 million viewers in college football, 32 involved, 32 of the 72 involved the Big Ten, 31 involved the SEC, Ira, you may know the stat already, nine in the Pac-12, zero games in the ACC with 3.5 million viewers or more. That's where it gets interesting to me with the TV partner is, you know, ESPN's not in the business of not seeing ROI, and they've got a network that they've devoted to cable carriers and satellite carriers, Uh, they forced it down this last round of negotiations with Comcast. They have to pay for it. Um, They're not in the business of not making money. That's where I think also it's almost like the free market here, if they can get past this grant of rights, is going to bear that ESPN doesn't even want the contract. Because these these properties are being buried and not being put forth in a way that they would put forth the SEC and not garnering the kinds of matchups and ratings that you would normally see. For example, Florida State, Notre Dame last year, Florida State's no great shakes right now as a program, but that's still one of the highest rated games the entire year. So that's where I would think uh, you know the motivation would come from the TV networks uh, to make something happen. Here's an, uh, a basic question, Ira, that maybe you know the answer to. I don't. It's from Brad. He says, who's going to pay the grant of rights to leave the conference? So let's just say that Florida State had a settlement all told of $200 million. I know that's a bit pie in the sky right now, but let's just say it was $200 million. Where would that money come from? Could the university actually use uh, their funds to pay for it, or would it have to come from some sort of booster organization?
0: Well, first of all, I just want to go back to the stat, because a lot of people in the chat are mentioning I I don't know that that stat from Jeff is exactly right. It may be a different criteria, because Florida State-Notre Dame game was one of the highest-rated games in the country last year. Now, right. I don't know. You know, if it's specifically, yeah, I, again, I can't, it's maybe up, it's just
2: a conference only matchup, conference right?
0: only matchups. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's no question that the, now I, one thing I would say on that before you switch to the other thing and I'll, and I'll come back to that, but it's not like if it's less than 3 million viewers, it's not worth anything right. like ESPN, you, you know, airs these, you know, Mac games. I mean, sure. there's still a million viewers or $800,000 or, or viewers or 1.2 million viewers is still way more than almost any television show gets on regular television. So it's still a big deal. It's just, it's not going to get the kind of money that the SEC or the Big Ten get. Um, but as far as the question about who, where would the money come from? It would almost certainly be um, from the, the right, from the new rights holder, you know, whether it's, you know, the new conference or, or uh, with withholding your shares. The way a lot of times it might work is the new conference will say, okay, for the first four years, you're only going to get $40 million and the rest of it's going to go back to your old conference or whatever it is. There would have to be some way to work it out. But yeah, Florida State does not have $200 million laying around, to, even if they wanted to, to, to write that kind of check. Now, you know, again, there, there could be corporate partnerships and different things like that that help underwrite a move like that. With its ESPN or Fox, if they go to the Big Ten, but it's not a it's not something Florida State would pay. It may be just part of their share just gets withheld for a certain number of years.
2: A general question too. This is something I've been pondering just because I'm I'm like everybody else on the outside. This past week, not being you know dialed into Tallahassee and and talking to people around here, but could Florida State be more valuable to the Big Ten than the SEC because it's it's not a media market. The state of Florida that they currently uh, are in, and it's kind of like North Carolina with the SEC. That's a state that the SEC wants to get in. Florida, they're already here. Georgia, Alabama, they've got the Southeast unlocked. That's why that's the name of the conference. Is there a way that Florida State? I understand AAU stuff is important to the to the Big Ten as well. Uh, the academic standing. But it, could it be that maybe the Big Ten is at least a viable enough home for Florida State that FSU could, once this grant of rights thing gets settled, play the two conferences against each other? Or do you think it's just probably the SEC or bust?
0: Well, I think it's, um, you know, again, going to the Big Ten, I just think is going to be, become more difficult in terms of the grant of rights. Yeah. So, you know, right now, the challenge, even if you know, a lot of people have said, like, if ESPN wants to get rid of the contract, they can make the contract go away and Florida State can move to you know the SEC. The problem with that is there's other schools in the conference that signed that deal too. And they're part of the conference and they're not going to want to just waive all these schools that are desirable like Pitt and BC and Wake Forest. They're not going to be fine with Florida State and these other schools just leaving. They're going to want their money because they were part of this contract. So that money is supposed to go to the conference and they're members of it. So if you try to go to the Big Ten, now you've got to deal with those schools who want their money and ESPN because ESPN was part of that contract. So to me, it's like you're having to get over two hurdles to get to the Big Ten. It could happen. There could be some reckoning where ESPN decides, you know what, we want – SEC and ESPN decide, we want Miami, Georgia Tech, and, and these two schools to come to the SEC, and we'll let you take these schools to the Big Ten. I mean, that could, that's feasible. I mean, I, everything we keep hearing is everything's on the table. But in terms of like – the most likely scenario, I think it's more likely that ESPN is going to want to protect the the brands that they already have deals with, that they, they're they going to protect those resources that have the most yeah. money at stake before they let them just walk away. Yeah, the Big Ten, I think, would be interested in Florida State. They might They might be interested in Miami. I think they're interested in Georgia Tech. I think they're interested in getting in the Southeast, if they can, to bring in, you know, now they've got the whole country, and that does open those new television markets. Plus, with recruiting, I think it makes sense. I just think that that becomes even more difficult unless the whole thing just completely unravels.
2: Yeah, it just it seems like I, I get what you mean, too, because ESPN would be doubly angry, not just the ACC if Florida State went across the picket line. But it just seems so crazy to me now. I, I think when you get down to the other sports, not named football, there's going to be regional scheduling within these super conferences. Like they can't just they can't afford flights from one corner of the continent to the other. You know, the continental U.S. for uh, volleyball or for track. I, I don't think that you can do anything like that. But what's interesting to me is now it just seems like the, the size of the map doesn't matter. Like, you know, there's going to be irregular things from here on out. Like Oregon and Washington, actually, I think are in a decent place uh, to negotiate between either the Big Ten, which would make sense. you got to have regional rivals for USC and UCLA. But now the SEC probably has to look at the West Coast and think, should we dip our toes uh, in that time zone as well? It's just crazy to me. I, uh, you know, you go away for a few days and now it's like, what you said earlier, I think is hundred percent true. It feels like nothing could happen for a couple of years and it just settles for a little bit or something could happen in 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. And I think what's really changed what, what everybody needs to, and I think people have started to understand over the last week or so is that the, the old axioms with this whole process are kind of out the window. The, the, the things we used to think we knew about conference realignment was schools are only going to go into TV networks and conferences only want to go into states where they already don't have a presence um, well, we found out that wasn't true when they went back into Texas to get Texas. SEC went back to get Texas after they already had Texas, or after they already had Texas A and M, kind of behind Texas A and M's door. So that broke that rule. Uh, there was a rule that you felt like, you, you know, or that you couldn't go into a, a state you already had somebody in there. Um, then there was the, the axiom that you know the, the Big Ten wanted these contiguous states; they all their states were close together, and that they were all AAU schools, which is still the case right now. But if you start talking about some of these other schools, Miami, I think I misspoke on seminal Headlines. I said Miami was an AAU school. They're not. Uh, but there does seem to be interest in Miami with uh, the Big Ten. So are they going to relax that rule that we always thought, OK, you have to be an AAU school to go to the Big Ten? So I think a lot of these things are going to change. And I think what's going to be the tipping point where I keep going back to, OK, if, if the Big Ten, to me, the most likely scenario is the Big Ten, if they get Notre Dame and another school... Now the SEC has to act, and then I think all those old rules about valuations and how much you know it, ha- it has to be a. Because one thing, the other thing everybody says is this, the new schools have to bring enough value that everybody's share gets bigger than it was before. Like that's that's right now. That's why they're saying the, the Big Ten won't take Oregon or Washington right now is they're not sure that that would bring enough money that every school got more than they're getting right now. Like it did with USC and UCLA. I think once you're going to get to a point where that's out the window too, the money is so big, the, the opportunities are so huge, and, the, and it's going to become about the strength of those conferences that I think then it becomes more tenable to bring in some schools that may not push you over that threshold, but are still desirable because they may they they answer the challenge. If, if the Big Ten makes a ch- move, the SEC has to make a move, and I don't think you're going to worry so much about Geographics, You're not going to worry so much about, does the share work out perfectly? I think at that point, it's just accumulating the best resources you can accumulate.
2: So if you're a betting man um, in, on this particular issue, how long before another school is announced to be joining a new conference? I know that's an impossible question. And that's basically, we have to be uh, near our phones all day in case some, somebody decides like Oregon was invited or Washington was invited to the Big Ten. How long before you think a prominent Power Five school makes a move and commits to a conference two or three years down the line from now.
0: Yeah. I mean, there might be some, there might be some shakeup in between the PAC 12 and the big 12. I, to me, that's more likely right now. Um, I don't, I just don't see anybody in the ACC going anywhere right now until something happens with Notre Dame and the big 10 or, or whether they come to the ACC or something along those lines. So I, I just, I think if there's movement, it's going to be the PAC 12, big 12, whether they, you know, form one major conference or, or uh, one of them poaches the other, uh, but that's and that could happen pretty soon because the pac 12s already in the process of negotiating their rights. But I, I just don't think the Big Ten's in a rush to make a move until they know what Notre Dame's going to do, and Notre Dame's just you know sitting on the pot.
2: That was one of the funniest a pot tweet. of gold. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Uh, that was one of the funniest tweets I saw this week was uh, the Pac-12 putting out a graphic and a statement saying that they're opening their negotiating rights. But yeah, okay, great. For what? Like <laughs> 50 bucks? What what are you going to get annually? Nobody wants to negotiate with you right now. I'd like to open up my negotiations with uh, living uh, overseas in, in a, a billion-dollar city like Monaco. You know, Will we're, they accept me? Yeah, it's not. We're,
0: yeah, we're opening our negotiations with, with Coke as a title sponsor for Seminole Headlines.
2: Yeah. Well, now that would be quite the day. I think you guys could retire <laughs> after that contract was over. And, of course, the lucrative uh, registered sausage uh, contract. You're watching Sunday Smash here on WarChan TV. He's Irish Rafael. My name is Tom Lang. In about 13 minutes' time, we'll have Michael Langston on talking about FSU recruiting. Uh, a big commitment ceremony tomorrow for one Lucas uh, Simmons. Uh, so we'll ask Michael about that when he joins the program.
0: So And, our, also, uh, and also the uh, Desmond Ricks.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, the, the debacle. Sorry, yeah. That's
0: what what everybody's here really. They're all waiting for that. We're we're the opening act.
2: That was an interesting one Uh, to put out a graphic that FSU just stopped communicating with a five-star prospect who liked them. I I don't buy it, Uh, but we'll ask Michael his opinion. He's uh, more dialed in to these things. Uh, Thanks to everybody who's in the chat. If you've not hit the like button, please hit the like button underneath. So Ira, I guess as we take a uh, 100,000 foot view of the situation and bring it back to Florida state for a second, what's your sense of how dialed in uh, the FSU athletics administration and the president's offices uh, to the scenario and to how these tectonic plates are shifting and, and should Florida state fans take a little bit more solace that things seem to be a lot more organized over there right now in terms of leadership structure and, and how it all works with the athletic department.
0: Yeah. And I, and I did write about that the other day. I mean, I think the the biggest thing is, you know, Florida State saw this coming. We all saw this coming. I mean, we when it happens is the only question we don't know the answer to, but we all know this is where it's going, um, that there's going to be super conferences. It may be two. It may be one. It may be three. Um, my guess is probably two. Uh, I've still seen some people saying maybe it'll be four super conferences. I don't know. if I, Actually, it was John Skipper, ESPN's former president. Uh, Dan Levitard's podcast said, you know, maybe it'll be four 16-team super conferences. I think that was the idea when he was in charge. I think it's gone away from that now. And I think it's probably two. Um, and, uh, you know, because of these most recent moves, I just don't think, I think the Pac-12 is too destabilized. And and so is the big 12. But, um, you know, I think that that everybody kind of knows that that's where it's going to go. And so Florida State's been putting their eggs, they're putting everything lined up in a row for whenever that time happens. If you noticed, um, you know, I, we didn't make a big deal about it at the time, but when David Coburn retired, Kind of abruptly in the end of the fall semester, um, it's my understanding he was planning to retire at the end of the spring. Um, They made that change quicker. They had a new president, Richard McCullough, a new board of trustees chair, Peter Collins. And I think the feeling in the top level administration was, this is something we need to be proactive about. We need to make sure that Florida State football is perceived in a better light than it has been these last few years. We might still be in it no matter what. Whenever they go to super conferences, even if Florida State doesn't win any games this year, Florida State still might be in that conversation because of those TV ratings we've talked about before. But to to make sure they're in a good position, they made that change. They brought in a new athletic director. Michael Alvarez, the AD. He's obviously a much bigger picture kind of guy. He's he's. They've invested so much more money into the football program in the last six months than they had the last few years when they've been cost-cutting mode. Uh, they've hired new staff, they've given raises, they've expanded the support staff for recruiting and and support staff for game analysis. They have really poured money into football because they know they have to make the best impression possible as these conferences start looking. So I think they're in a much better shape than they were a year ago, certainly than they were two or three or four or five years ago when things were kind of dysfunctional. Um, But As far as do they know exactly what's going to happen, I'm not sure they know what's going to happen. Because again, it's 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 at the conference and television network level. And then everything else kind of makes everybody makes their decisions based on what happens up there. I I don't think the independent schools right now have much of a say in what's going to happen other than, you know, as I said, Notre Dame.
2: Yeah. Our pal Ryan put in the chat a little bit earlier. I saw he's like, man, it must be tough to be a sports media member right now because you have to ask what if all day. And and that's the same thing for a member of an athletic department is you have to if you're Michael Alford, if you're the head of the athletic department at Florida State, you have to ask what if. I wonder if they have planned out scenarios, Ira, if like if if this happens first, call these people, They, they might be organized enough to have doomsday scenario buttons. Uh, well, and, and binders for everything based upon what chips fall first, what dominoes fall first. And there
0: was, a, there was an interesting podcast. Um, the guys, it's called the OG Podcast in North Carolina, Joe Ovies and um, Joe Giglio, I'm thinking his name is. Anyway, they have a podcast in, up in the triangle and they had a, a North Carolina's chancellor who was the chancellor when the grant of Rights was signed in 2013. And he came on their show and he talked about that process. And it was interesting to hear him talk about it because, and he said, look, while that was going on, I have friends that are presidents at other schools. So we're having those conversations. So there's no doubt Richard McCullough, who's the president of Florida State University, is talking to presidents of other schools. When Eric Barron was the president of Florida State, he told me he and Clemson's president had told themselves they have an alliance. Neither one of them is going to do anything without communicating with the other one. So that's what's happening all over. You have ADs talking to ADs, presidents talking to presidents, everybody's trying to figure out, okay, if this happens, where do I go next? Um, But I I really don't think they have the answers just yet either.
2: You wonder if it's like a mob boss situation where Alford's got like five burners on the desk and they're like labeled for every particular, because you you don't want those phone records necessarily uh, out there. Uh, You probably want different cell phones for different conversations to be at just in case there was a tampering uh, charge or or a lawsuit down the line. They have to be so careful in compliance with what they're doing right now. It's kind of like uh, probably what NIL collectors have to do in the state of Florida. You have to be very careful, dot your I's and, and cross your T's. We'll bring that up in just a moment when Michael Langston jumps on. He's in the green room. We'll bring him in in just a moment. But Ira, I want to ask you on a personal level because you've got family in Boston and you've got family in Syracuse. Is that right? Both places when you go on? Uh,
0: a best friend from college in Syracuse, okay
2: uh so if you had to trade those destinations for sec destinations to cover a football game on a saturday you good with that trade or would you miss being able to go up to the northeast
0: no man i'm I'm, i can i can buy my own ticket to go (laughs) to go visit friends and relatives no i it's uh yeah man i mean look florida state needs to be in one of those two conferences it has to happen and i know like florida state fans are so you know they can taste it they want out so bad but the the good thing the the most encouraging thing i can tell you is You're not alone in this conference. There was a time, you know, maybe 10 years ago when the first grant of rights was signed where maybe there was one or two schools that were looking and another school or two that was thinking about it. The vast majority of schools, the schools that are all worth something in the ACC, they all want out now. That includes North Carolina. That includes Virginia. Everybody wants out now because they all want to, they see the money. It's ridiculous the disparity between their contract, which is the longest contract known to man. Till twenty thirty six, and these other contracts that are going to be much more lucrative. So that should give you a little bit of comfort. And I think Corey said this before too that it's not like Florida State's got to make the jailbreak by themselves. Like everybody's chiseling that 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 wall. Everybody's trying to get out. It's not just Florida State. At some point, you got to feel like they're going to break through.
2: The amount of billable hours for this particular situation has to be nuts across all state lines. Somebody's looking one, for that. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, and one and one. Speaking of attorney's hours and billable hours, you know, one scenario that a lot of people are kind of floating out there, and I know Gene's mentioned in the message boards, is there is a theory. A lot of people, you know, when I said ESPN doesn't want Notre Dame to go to the Big Ten, one reason for that would be right now, Notre Dame's contractually required in that whole grant of rights for till 2036 to play these five games against ACC schools every year. If Notre Dame pulls out and goes to the Big Ten, now does that what does that do to the grant of rights? Yep. Does it dissolve it? Does it kick something else in? We don't know the answer to that. We don't have the ESPN's contract. We have the grant of rights. We don't have the ESPN's contract. So we don't know exactly, but that's one thing people are thinking is a scenario. If that happens, so again, you know, you know, that's that to me is the most likely scenario. If Notre Dame feels like at a point where they have to go to the Big Ten, that could Make everything kind of fall into line.
2: Yeah, the one thing I, I've heard too, and I don't know that it's verifiably true. Maybe we do have this information. Tell me if, if we do, but that the grant of rights would reopen if the ACC admitted a new member too. Like, I, I don't. If that's a fact, then you can't even expand if you're the ACC because then the moment you would open up something like that, then you would think that the big dogs would bolt.
0: Yeah, I mean, there would be there, were uh, and I'm not sure exactly on that, but I, I don't know what the threshold is. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there, there, and the challenge is. There's enough schools still in the conference that, you know, are not going to want to see these other schools leave. So, you know, that's going to be the challenge. And then you have ESPN to factor in as well. So there's just a, you know, there's, it's a weird situation where, you know, all these schools want to leave. These other schools don't want them to leave. TV doesn't want them to leave right now until ESPN will let it happen or make it happen when it's good for ESPN. And we just don't know when that's going to happen.
2: There will be many books written on the topics yeah. we're talking about right now on Sunday Smash. And uh, there will be many posts on a message board near you about some of the topics that we're going to bring up with Michael Langston. We're dipping into the bullpen. He's our closer tonight, Michael Langston, the senior recruiting analyst for Warchant.com. What's up, Michael? How are you tonight?
1: How you guys doing? Chaos. You like it? Like it? <laughs> chaos. Yeah, everywhere.
2: Uh, you know,
0: well, yeah. You got your own chaos, too, buddy. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I do. We'll bring that up in just a moment, Michael. But yeah, usually I'm doing post game shows or something where you have finite details. This like speculation broadcasting is a brand new thing for me, so uh, we'll struggle through it together. Uh, but let's talk about a uh, an important commitment ceremony first, Michael.
0: Can we t- can we tidy up one loose end, Tom? Sure. A couple yep. people in the chat are saying, and I think they're probably right, that if, if a team if a school joins the, the the conference, they would probably be bound to the grant of rights. It doesn't necessarily dissolve it all. At least that's okay. what. They're saying I think that's probably true. But anyway, continue. Sorry.
2: Well, I would love for that loophole to exist in them to uh, admit a, a team or two uh, right now. But, Michael, a, uh, a blue chip offensive lineman. Florida State already has one uh, in this recruiting cycle. They're looking to add another. And uh, that's Lucas Simmons. We'll Pull up his uh, particular profile on Rivals.com. Uh, talk to me about Lucas Simmons, Michael, and, and uh, what you think about how things are going to go tomorrow.
1: Yeah, a big time announcement for again for FSU. uh, Hopefully, tomorrow is uh, Lucas Simmons. He's he's originally from Sweden. Uh, He's now at Clearwater Academy and International. I guess that's a new school. That's a new one for me, even all the schools I know. But um, it's down to FSU, Tennessee, Southern Cal. Florida is mentioned in there as well, but I think it's more so FSU, Tennessee, and Southern Cal. Hear more buzz about it being FSU, Tennessee, uh, you know, lately in the last 24 hours. But I feel good that in um, the end of the day, I think um, I think FSU is going to get some good news. That's kind of how I'm leaning. I'm not going to put a forecast until I get unless I get something definitive from somebody that I trust. That, uh, But that's kind of where I lean. I've le- leaned that way for a while. I just and the reasons being is um, FSU was on him the hardest early on. They've developed relationships with everyone connected with Lucas. Um, the the connections and bonds and the development and, and the stuff that Atkins has already shown at FSU, I think it's a big deal to him. And then I think also just Atkins approached uh, Simmons to the, the whole process of, you know, your brand, your, your, what you do, uh, what you do as a man, stuff like that, that no coach has ever done. And then a lot of these coaches had to follow that up. Now there's relationships with these other schools, but I think FSU has done the best job when you look at cross the board, recruiting in the hardest, being on him, the hardest, having him on campus more, probably more than anybody. Um, and just approaching it, what their strengths are, which is relationships and, uh, Honestly, what you're coming into being genuine about, hey, this is what it's going to be. It's not it's not sunshine and roses all the time. You know, this is what it's going to be how hard it's going to be what it's going to be like in college. And I think FSU's done the best job connecting and resonating with with Lucas. So you know, my feeling is just I'm, I lean towards FSU because of a lot of these factors.
2: So as a player, Michael, uh, let's see. Go, Knowles, FSU says the following: a true offensive tackle. Is yes. it fair to say that that is the case for Lucas Simmons? Talk to me about yeah. the football player.
1: Yeah, a very, uh, definitely a, a true offensive tackle. We, we've we've mentioned a lot of these guys that they've gotten that you know can play you know multiple positions, but I think he's a true left tackle type of guy that you want. Long reach gets gets off the ball really quick. Uh, his footwork is exceptional. Um, he's dominated a lot of these camps that you go to, like Under Armour and, and different in different places. And I think the biggest thing with him is his reach of what he does with that with that advantage as far as length. And then two, the footworks really stands out to me when I watch him. I think he's just uh, tremendous.
0: And one thing I want to add real quick is um, I think some people I know. The, the thought I had when I first heard he's okay, he's an international player from Sweden then you're thinking okay maybe this is a project maybe he's a really good athlete it's going to take to but his father played at oklahoma his father was a college football player so it's not like he grew up it's not like he picked up football the last year or two when he came to the united states it's uh he comes from a football family uh, yes. what's should we uh, should move on to Desmond Ricks? or you still got more to say about Lucas Simmons?
1: I, I was just going to say he's highly skilled, and, and yeah, he's a national prospect. And that doesn't usually international usually doesn't FSU doesn't get a lot a ton of those guys, but I think because they did such a good job with the family early on, I, I think that's kind of what you have to stick with. We'll kind of get to that with the Rick stuff coming up. Of you got to stay with what you what you do well, and uh, I think that that's kind of what FSU's done with Simmons. Hopefully we'll see what goes on tomorrow. We don't know for sure, uh, but, you know, I think uh, I I would lean FSU, and and certainly that would be a massive pickup because that gives you two premier guys for sure on the offensive line uh, to really signify your your class, and then you can kind of build around those guys and and keep doing what they're doing. Uh, I just don't think people truly appreciate the work that Alex Atkins has put in uh, with this offensive line. When he took over, it was just horrific. Uh, and and he came in there. He's changed the mindset. He's changed the culture. He's changed kind of the way these guys look and the and the guys that you see on the field consistently week in and week out. So I think that's another thing that's helped uh, in this recruitment. Well, he's
2: changed the personnel too, Michael. I mean, you got 10 new bodies on campus from last year and between transfers and, and high school uh, enrollees at Florida State. So, yeah, Atkins is, uh, I think, if there's an approval rating for a- every single coach in the football program for Florida State, Atkins has to be at the top of the approval ratings. Khalil, thank you for your donation to the program tonight. Uh, Khalil asks, uh, Am I wrong for being more worried about running back recruiting? It's a position where we can sell better most than uh, most other schools because we haven't gotten a leap back since. Akers and Laborn. So, uh, Mike, let's just ask it straight away. Should we be uh, worried about running back recruiting in Florida State right
1: now? I would be if they don't get Sam Singleton. Uh, I think if you get Singleton, I feel feel good about where FSU sits with him. But if you don't get Singleton, yes, it's time to set off the red alarm because you're talking about a position that since uh, their new staff has been together, there's not been an elite guy that they've signed. Uh, you know, sure, you sign – you know, the guys like uh, Rodney Hill and, and guys like that. But is there an elite guy that's a blue chipper for sure? I don't think they've signed one of those. So, yeah, there's, there's certainly legitimate questions about that position that needs to be addressed, that they have to start getting, you know, some elite guys into this program. Yes, you want guys that, you know, Rodney is very talented and all that stuff, but at the same time, you know, you got to start winning some of these Dalen Smothers and Sam Singleton uh, battles, so I think it's a question that's that's fair. Let
0: me uh, let me follow up on that. You know, the on the one hand, you know they've they've done a good job in the transfer portal, so we've given them a lot of credit for that. Obviously, Alex Atkins has done a good job on both sides. Um, I mean, I, I feel good about um, Coach Yak. You know David Johnson. I think I think he's a good recruiter. He's a recruiting coordinator. He's been a good recruiter wherever he's been. Right. Um, you know, I, I, Marcus Woodson's got a good reputation for being a recruiter. Um, you know, Randy Shannon is a little bit older, but throughout his career, he's he's uh, he's certainly signed and developed a lot of big time players when he was at Miami. So I guess what my I think where I'm I'm you know struggling a little bit with this. This the perception of, of how they've recruited. How much of that do we think is a is a is a byproduct of where the program has been for the last four or five years, and how much of it is there's reason to be worried because th- these guys aren't getting it done. And at what point, like, because I know people inside the program will say, if we just got to win this year, and if we win this year, it'll take care of everything else. I guess the other flip side of it is they don't win this year, they may not be here. So so it may not matter. It may be a moot point at that point, but. But how much of do you, do what do you think fans should be right now? Should they be concerned, or they should they feel like okay, well they're doing as best they can given these situations?
1: Well, you know, you go by last year. You know, last year what did they do well? Really well. They ran the ball. That's what they did. That's what FSU's success as as an offense was. So I'm thinking like okay, they ran the ball well. You're gonna get some elite dudes, but I think it's a mixture of both. I think more so towards the first point you said, Ira, uh, about where they've been. You know, about, about when you don't win, you know, consistently, it, it leaves your effect of, of recruits. Are, are they going to turn around? Are they going to get where they're going? I mean, David Johnson, you know, did very, very well when he was at Tennessee, he got some top, you know, talented guys. Um, but so we know he can recruit. He's a recruiting coordinator, for God's sake. So we know, and we know he's gotten guys that out of his not his position that, that have got, he's gotten them over to FSU. So we know the guy can recruit. But I think at the end of the day, it comes to a point where, you know, you're three years in, um, eventually you got to start getting, you know, some elite players at your position. Um, I think that will happen, but I'm just saying the questions from the fans is is certainly reasonable, but I I would side more towards your first point, Ira, that because of what has happened kind of the last, you know, four years, you know, finishing under 500, I think that's kind of, Drowned them out a little bit,
0: and then and then also you know getting hit with COVID uh, their first year, which limited their ability to get out, which obviously right. was a problem. And then you know, look, we all know that NIL is changing things, and you know, Florida State's got uh, um, tools in place for that. Um, it's it's more difficult in the state of Florida because they can't actually even be affiliated with the deals the way they right. can be in other states. Um, but you know, there is, there is an NIL entity of Florida state rising spear, um, that it's not like there's not, that's not a component, but when you see what some of these other schools and the allegations of what's going on in these other schools, you know, that's obviously a big part as well. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, cause I think the, the, even people who are not following recruiting are concerned that can this staff ever get the quality of players to where you can compete. At the at the the higher levels, yeah. and so you know, I think I think Mike Norvell and the staff can get to eight wins this year, uh, but they're going to have to at some point. You know, you have Azaria Thomas, you have it in spots, you have some individual players, um, you know, but overall they haven't recruited to that level. And I don't know if Tommy, who wanted to bring up the Desmond Rick situation, well, set the table for the one person from Mars who doesn't know what, what, what is happening today.
2: Well, and it's related to what we're just talking about, which is concern level. So Desmond Ricks, uh, let's see, Michael, not if I'm getting it right. A 2024 defensive back recruit, one of the top defensive mm-hmm. backs in the country grew up liking FSU as an FSU fan uh, high interest in Florida state. It seemed for quite some time, uh, but then he claimed uh, and he, he, confirm the quote a quote that went out today a graphic that said i don't know what happened they just stopped calling me uh and then had other players on social media parrot that and say same thing happened to me too a couple of different players i, I don't remember their names off the top of my head uh and that led people into a meltdown i took a screenshot of the boards around 4 30 this afternoon i was going to use it as a graphic but i, I don't know the warchance.com boards uh, are freaking out at july recruiting they can calm down tomorrow if Siemens says yes But for Desmond Rick's purposes, Michael, how does this change the conversation, if at all? Are you concerned about Florida State's level of staying on top of blue chip recruits and communicating with blue chip recruits? And uh, this specific story, how much weight do you put into what Desmond Rick said today?
1: I mean, first off, you know, when you have a recruit come out there and say that, yeah, it's a damaging from a PR standpoint. There's no other way to. Because so, because FSU can't talk about it, they can't tell you. I mean, they're the main people that know the reason.
0: Right. Everybody um, so, said I I saw a lot of people saying, "Well, Florida State's got to come out. Mike Norvell's got to come out and clarify this." It's like he can't. He can't. Yeah. They can't comment about recruits. So, yeah, publicly anyway.
1: Yeah. So you got that. I mean, kind of the, give people kind of the byline. He visited early in, I want to say February, January, February. Things were looking good. Uh, visited again. He actually wasn't supposed to come back. Came back, and then he was going to it seemed like he was getting ready to commit to FSU in April. That never happened. Then a few weeks later, he took a visit to Alabama um, and then named, uh, you know, a few a little while after that, named Alabama the leader. And then that's, you know, when things started, you know, just cooling. But this isn't, I mean, this is too, like, this is not the first time, you know, this staff has done this. And, and for whatever reason, I'm sure what happened was basically, you know, I'm not gonna say exactly what happened. I'm just giving my view of what happened was, you know, uh they these coaches, no matter if it's FSU or any other school, they check in a lot of with these uh people the inside that are close to uh, you know, the recruit and, and they find out and they give them kind of leeway what's going on, where it stands and and then too, they check with stuff and, and my 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 opinion is they went in there and it's like, you know what, this is not gonna happen. We don't feel like we can we can win this one. You know, and so a lot of times what we see with that, FSU kind of cools on the prospect and it just doesn't work out. But I know that's not satisfactory to fans, but that's kind of how they've – they're big on relationships. They're big on trust. They're big on that direct connection and communication with recruits. And, and they're straightforward with them and they're kind of expecting the same thing. And I'm not saying that Desmond hasn't been. I'm just saying it go it's positives and negatives in regards to – how that works uh but there's obviously something that didn't connect there that the fsu felt like you know what it's not going to happen for whatever reason we, there could be a number of things there could be like people cl- people close to him could have told uh fsu like look we don't think uh he's going to fsu we didn't want to play around with you guys so that's kind of the deal or could be you know other 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 relations to stuff like NIO or something like that, that was just another level of what, what FSU felt about him. But at the same time it's it really it's conjecture. I mean we could we could throw up a bunch of scenarios of what it could be, but I, I've seen this go on for you know two years that they back off guys. They they don't play games. They don't mess around. They feel like there's games being played or that it's not gonna happen. They move on to the next one. They move on to their targets that feel like uh, they want to be here.
0: Well, let me, but let me ask you, there's two things about that though. On the, and look, man, when this all happened, I, I'm like, a lot of people freak out initially and they're kind of like, well, wh- what, what the hell's going on? How, why would they not be talking to this five-star recruit? Well, obviously they didn't just get lazy. They didn't yeah. just like lose his number. There yeah. is, there was some sort of breakdown in that relationship or, or, uh, as you said, maybe they got information that told them, look, there's no chance. But what's weird about it is, you know, Azariah Thomas, a year ago in the summer before his senior year of high school, I asked him out at 7-on-7 seven because seven you need to help government recruiting. I went out to 7-on-7 seven seven and I said, and I saw the coaches talking to him and I said to him, I said, hey, I don't want to waste your time. Do they have any chance with you? And he's like, no, man, they don't have any chance with me. And he was, you know, it was either Oklahoma or Florida or LSU or whatever, but they never gave up on him you know so like is there a difference sometimes they're not going to give up but sometimes they do just kind of walk away or or the another theory i had is you know maybe is it a situation where they kind of tapered off with him and said let's win some games and try to revisit it like that's that's the only other thing i could think of but because it just doesn't make sense to just walk away
1: yeah i think something set them off do i know what it is no but I think it's more a something, certain something set them off, because uh, obviously Azare, great kid. We, I, I dealt with that recruitment all year long. I mean, he even told me like, yeah. I mean, he visited FSU during the COVID time, and you know, Azare's like, yeah, I like it, but you could tell they weren't one of his top schools. But you know this one seems like something uh, just set them off that turned them off. You know, whatever it was, uh, whether it's he telling them or. or them revealing to FSU that hey, it just ain't going to happen or something that set them off. We don't know that. It's it's weird. It's different, and it's certainly different because it's the number one player in the country <laughs> in 2024. So I, I understand that. And like I said, it's not a positive. I mean, it's not something you want to hear from a PR standpoint of you know FSU stop calling me and stuff like that. But there's always reasons to this, and as Ira just pointed out, these guys are some of the most aggressive recruiters. They go after guys, even even guys where, hey, it might not happen, they're still aggressive with them, so something clicked them off. I, I wish I could tell you guys 100% what that is. I don't know. Uh, obviously, I'm still checking on that and in, in different things, but I do know – Marcus Woodson's just not gonna stop recruiting a kid. That's just not in his nature the way he recruits. He's an aggressive recruiter. He doesn't I mean he goes after some of the best. And but there's some guys that just whether uh whatever it is that, that just it doesn't click there uh after a while with the relationship and something wasn't there and something was amiss. And I wish I could put my finger on it, but um this has happened a few times.
0: I so, will I will say real quick, Tom. Just a, in a different example, and and you know, because I don't know the backstory on ninety nine percent of these guys the way Michael does, but the quarterback that was committed before Duffy, they they committed and then went on a visit to Arizona State. What was his name? Nico. Yeah, Nico Marchio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was committed to Florida State. I mean, he was committed to Florida State was supposed to be the bell cow. Was mm-hmm. you know coordinating with all the other recruits? Then. I think went on a visit to Arizona state, maybe didn't tell Florida state he was going on the yeah. visit and it was over. Like that yeah. recruitment was done and they just moved on. So, you know, to your point, I and again, I have no idea what happened with in this situation, but you know, at times, I mean, things just do, they go in I, different directions for what I, I
1: think, I think they have, you know, you see this with the guys that recruit. We saw that last week with Keldrick Falk. I mean, Keldrick Falk was down a um, top 100 defensive end. He was down to FSU, Clemson, Auburn, you look at that on paper you're like that's a no-brainer dude you go to Clemson or Auburn you don't go to Florida State a team that's like been under 500 but they connected with him from a personal way and a relationship standpoint that nobody else did so I uh, I think FSU looks for certain characteristics in those players it's not just hey are you really talented can this guy fit to what we're doing you know we don't want to mess that up so I'm not suggesting that Desmond's not I'm just saying there's certain things that set them off and click them off and make them push away. And, you know, we saw that with Nico, Um, you know, certainly uh, Nico took that visit, didn't tell them, then kind of stopped talking to people. And then, you know, I think, I think the main thing with Nico with that one was AJ Duffy because they were still recruiting AJ Duffy. and um, So I think that's part of that equation, but I think there's certain things that, that this staff wants to see, and, and if it, and if they find out something that's not clicking that fits to what they're looking for, I think they're not afraid to you know, move on.
2: So, Michael, if uh, you would, before uh, we end this conversation for this mm-hmm. week, uh, preview for us what's coming up on Warchant.com this week in the recruiting world. Obviously, tomorrow's a big day, uh, but what else is happening this week for uh, FSU recruiting?
1: Yes, yeah, certainly uh, Lucas Simmons announcement's big. Uh we're we're also going to be start uh releasing our our defensive hot board. So we'll have a lot of key breakdowns on all different type of prospects uh you know from linebacker defensive tackle, defensive end in uh, in the secondary. So we'll have a lot of that coming up and then we'll have a lot of new uh I think I'm going to come up with some new little features that we're going to do. Maybe bring back uh, the Michael's mailbag thing. I think people like that uh you know, little feature. So we might do something to that characteristic, but that's kind of what's what's coming up and what we have. And then on July 30th, that's my big event. that's I, I don't even know if they've named this thing yet, but it's uh, basically like a cookout, a junior day type of thing. Uh, some of the top prospects are coming there. I think Hikeem Williams is going to be there, who I think they're they're really high on. And then, and then there's a lot of other guys. I'll have a list probably later this week. Uh, so that's their big event. That's kind of it for me. Once that happens, I don't have any other events until the season starts. So I think, I think FSU really wants to go out crushing it uh, as far as some momentum going. Certainly after this Desmond Ricks thing, uh, they could certainly use a Lucas Simmons positive uh, announcement and then also <laughs> keep the momentum going with this July 30th event that they hope to have a really positive pushing on.
0: Hey, That's Tom, the- can I, can, I, can I one last thing on the, uh, yeah. just tidying up the, the, this whole situation. Look, to me, it all comes down to this. With if Florida State recruits well, or if Florida State has a good football season, yep. the recruiting class is gonna be pretty good. I think it's gonna be good. Yep. They're already, you know, the commitments they have, they're in place with, as you said, Hakeem Williams and some of those guys. And I think they're gonna be in a position to close with a lot of these guys if they have results on the field. If they go seven and five or eight and four, I think they're gonna close well with a lot of these recruits. If they don't, if they don't have that season, then as we've talked about before, we may be looking at a whole different set of circumstances. So yeah, that, I, that's why with this particular year, I wouldn't be quite as worried about where you are in July because none of that may matter three months from now, either you're doing or four months from now, either you're doing well on the field and everything changes or you're doing poorly on the field and everything changes the other way. That's that's right. my thoughts.
1: Right. And I think that's the biggest point, this whole thing. And I've told people this on, on, our, on our premium recruiting board, it's like, just to simplify this for you guys, if you got a better product on the field, your recruiting is going to be better. Your NIL is going to be better. Stuff around your recruiting and your football program is going to be better. The the buzz about them is going to be better. If you win, that's I'm not saying winning cures everything, but it will cure a lot of as far as your recruiting questions. And then we don't even know if FSU is going to be playing in uh, this same league next year. So, you know, that's another dynamic in recruiting where. Say they go to the SEC, they're going to get a big boost as far as in recruiting. You know, that's just going to happen. So there's a lot of dynamics to this stuff, but the one thing you can take care of is winning. You can control that.
2: Yeah, Michael, to your credit, you said it last time we were on Smash together. You know, even when things were going good, there was a lot of momentum for FSU at that time. You said, well, that's, this is all great, everybody, but if they don't win, this none of this really means all yeah. that much. Hopefully you haven't run out of a uh, fire extinguisher for the boards today, Michael. Uh, hopefully you still have some left in case there's more melting down going on. And hopefully tomorrow is a better day on the boards because a, uh, a blue chip offensive tackle says yes to Florida State. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate the time.
1: You got it, bud.
0: Thanks, All man. Right.
2: All right, Ira. So uh, as we wrap up, another fine edition of Sunday Smash. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, conference alignment or uh, do you just want to put this one to bed with uh, some previewing of what we have coming up on the site and on the channel this week?
0: I was just going to ask you, man, you're, uh, I kept uh, dominating the conversation with the recruiting <laughs> stuff and you know, I know you don't follow it necessarily quite day to day. You do m- much more. I think now that you've been, uh, with the war champ for the past year than probably before. Um, but I mean, how concerned are you? I, it just seems like there's some people in the fan base that are waiting for Mike Norvell to fail. And then there's some people in the fan base who believe, you know, whoever's that coach is going to be successful in terms of the recruiting piece, I think you believe he can coach and evaluate talent. Do you think this staff can get where it needs to be from the recruiting side?
2: Uh, I think winning solves all those problems because there may be some guys on the staff that don't recruit at the level that they need to. Um, But if you win more and and you can prove to the coaching market out there that the Norvell regime is going to stick around in Tallahassee for some time, you might get a couple of upgrades uh, for certain position coaches that will help you on the trail. It's just, I think it all comes down to that. I don't, doubt their recruiting prowess and here's why they didn't get to go out to high schools uh, their first year on the job and they still somehow land in their first full recruiting class a top 20 group i mean depending upon the rankings but it's right around top 20 with no real ties to the state of florida like that's impressive in its own way to me it's just that you know you're out of excuses so everybody on every side of, of what we do right. at war recruiting team Whatever, anything in between. They're all saying the same thing, which is this year is critical.
0: Yeah. I mean it's, I think it's,
2: it's a yeah. sick or swim year on the field. And that and that answers and helps a lot of the questions be uh, answered in a positive way if they win on the field.
0: Yeah, that's what I think. I just think that the the two sides in the fan base are going to it's 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 gonna be, you know, put up or shut up this season because the excuses are pretty much over. Uh, it is a harder schedule. Um, I mean, I think, I think um, I've think i seen some people think it may be the hardest or second hardest uh, schedule in the ACC. It's a hard schedule, but they need to win those games to get any kind of momentum going recruiting. If they don't, they're going to lose that. And it's just hard to see them recover. So this is I mean, this, you know, I think we're all going to figure it out one way. We're, we're going to find out who is right, uh, I think, uh, as the season goes on.
2: So uh, yeah, I appreciate you dominating the conversation too, Ayre. A little bit of post-vacation brain fog. That's a good thing that you you could pick up the slack there for me tonight. I guess the final thing I'll ask you is uh, more fireworks. What has more fireworks to it? Uh, FSU recruiting developments in the next month or so, or ACC meetings and sound bites, and maybe some one-off clips that you might get from personnel within the league or or you know coaches and players. Who knows?
0: Uh, I'll say FSU recruiting. I mean, I think, I'd like to think they're going to get this Lucas Simmons kid and there's a couple other recruits. There's a linebacker. I think it's Blake Nicholson out of California that I think Michael said is going to come. We didn't talk to him about it, but he's supposed to commit later this month. I think they've got a chance there Uh, and there's a, you know, another running back they're involved with. So I mean, I think there's, there's some stuff they've, they've got cooking maybe with the, I I think ACC kickoff to me is going to be a lot of speculation, but I don't know who's going to actually say anything strong. You know, the, the players and coaches are all going to say, well, we're focused on what we can control. Um, You know, there might be some comments from one or two of the coaches that maybe, uh, you know, feel a little bit more confident in talking. Um, But I, I just think the AC kickoff to me is just going to be, it's going to be weird. It's going to be somber and it's going to be weird. I I doubt there'll be a lot of fireworks from it. I'm looking forward to it though, just because just to observe it, um, and we'll all be there uh, I think four of us are going to be there so it's gonna be a lot of fun to cover
2: yeah I wonder if some of those coaches from the power schools might throw some ideas for what the ACC could do to be better you know because there's leverage now you, you, this might be an opportunity where you have more leverage than uh, you've ever had before well we've got a staff meeting tomorrow at war chant uh, to make sure we have everything in a row uh, before football camp starts and that's only about three weeks away which is great nah,
0: not even not even buddy
2: did you get It'll- the do you know when the. I don't, first- I don't have
0: the date, but it's probably about the 26th, 27th, somewhere right. in there.
2: We got two, uh, yeah, just over two weeks away till fall camp, which is nuts. ACC kickoff coming up in about 10 days. Uh, so it is about to get hot and heavy. And obviously, we have our top 40 numbers, one through five, will be released on the channel this week. I'll be back in. I saw Go Knowles, FSU asked. will I be back with Jeff tomorrow. Yes, the Jeff Cameron Show right here on the channel, 1 p.m. Seminole headlines Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here. On WarChan TV, subscribe if you haven't done so already, uh, because obviously uh, this is the time to get involved with WarChan TV. It's absolutely free, and we appreciate your support.
0: And yes, wake sir. up WarChant.
2: That's right, wake up WarChant. Coming up tonight, Corey and Aslan are recording tonight. That video will be up. Uh, remember, those videos uh, are—I are, mean, those podcasts are on our channel. So if you've got it on your favorite podcast player, but you want to throw it on your desktop at work, wake up WarChant is right here on war Chain TV. TV. Uh, we want to say a couple of thank yous to super stickers that came in. Uh, Michael came in during the conversation with Aslan. Thank you very much for your contribution and sticker. Uh, Jamal just now we got, we got to send off
0: buzzer, beat the buzzer.
2: He did beat the buzzer. Anybody else want to beat the buzzer? You are more than <laughs> welcome. I, I will vamp for an extra 30 seconds. Uh, Caleb. Thank you for your contribution. Yeah. James B as always bringing the hammer Javi, Thank you for your contribution and question. Khalil, same thing. Thank you and your question for recruiting. It's Mike.
0: exciting times, man. I mean, I know like the recruiting stuff's depressing a little bit because there's concern about this situation. Floor State looked bad today. But I do think there's excitement. Football season's almost here. The LSU game's a sellout. FSU sold their 30,000 uh, tickets to the full allotment to the LSU game uh, in New Orleans. And also, you know, by the grace of God, this conference is going to be fall into pieces here in the next few years and then we can all move on with our lives. So, so uh, hopefully Jim Phillips isn't watching this.
2: The question is, will, yeah, for sure. We want our credentials kept in in good (laughs) standing for 10 days from now. The question is, will FSU fans chant SEC SEC if they beat uh, LSU? (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll find out. Uh, But for Ira and Michael who joined us tonight and for Matthew directing the program behind the scenes, great work as always. I see Ryan doing his shout out to Matthew as well. This has been Sunday Smash. We appreciate you guys who watched right here on WarChan TV, and we will talk to you all next time right here.
0: Thanks, everybody.